Good morning. Glad you're here worshiping with us today. We're on the second message in the series, The Amazing Journey. And we're looking at the path of wisdom, how God builds wisdom into us, how he wants us to grow in wisdom as we go through life. And as you're taking any journey, a map is important. For me, it's it's crucial. If I'm in an area where I I don't I'm not familiar with the surroundings, I, I need a map. I I really need point by point directions. A map tells us whether or not we're on the right track. That's why they're important. I, I read about a sport this week called orienteering. Has anybody ever heard of orienteering? Oh, hey, wow. <laughs> I've never seen it on Sports Center. But it is a running sport where you use a map and a compass to go cross country. Kind of interesting. That's, that's really sort of how life is. We're, we're using a map. We have some kind of map that we're working off of. In orienteering, I would imagine you're constantly checking the map and trying to follow the con- compass to make sure that you're on track. And this is how we live. We have a map that we develop mentally of how life works, how, how life goes. We're working off of it. It, it probably grows out of our upbringing some, our friends that we hang out with, school or college. I have some things in, in my map from college experiences, media. We, we gather thoughts and ideas and notions that become a part of our map. The way that we look at life and the way that we think life is going for us. When you commit your life to follow Christ, you trade in your old map for a new one. You basically decide to live by God's word. That becomes the map that you're following. And in my lifetime, I've I've wondered a couple times whether or not Christianity really worked because it didn't seem to make my life very easy. In fact, in some, time, in some ways, it, it has complicated my life. And so my map was, Jesus is going to make my life easier. And he's going to help me get what I want. And as I've gone along, I realize as I get into the Word and I read the map that's there in, in God's Word in the Bible, I realize that it's not about me. It's not about my life getting easier. It's not about bringing God along to help me get what I want. But real life and fulfillment come as I get on his map, as I understand how he's put life together, how things flow under his leadership and command. And then I get in line with what he says. And I found that if I give myself to him and give myself to his purpose, then I find the life I really want. I I do find the joy and the fulfillment. And wow, what a payoff there is as I follow God. So we have a map. And as you saw the gals on the the video clip there, they, they were following clues. And as they followed the clues, their character came out. The way we follow the map that we have, and if, if you've committed your life to follow Christ, the way you follow the, the scriptures flows out of your character, 
who you are, and the characteristics of the wise and foolish strategies that we're going to look at in Scripture show us where we are on the map. So sometimes if out of your character we flip, we flip the map upside down, and, you know, we, we decide north is south and south is north, and we end up heading the wrong direction. So it's out of our character that we use the map and we decide how we're going to go about handling life. In fact, our character reveals our wisdom or not, you find in Scripture. Our character is going to show us whether or not we're wise. And there is a profile of a wise person that I'd like to look at from, from the Scriptures that can help us know how to use the map, how, how to go through life, and, and what to, to, to set as our goal and how we go about using the map that God's given us. First of all, a wise person is someone who lives a good life, we find in Scripture. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So there's a characteristic of a wise person. They, they have a good life. You can identify a fruit tree by its fruit. I have a couple avocado trees in my backyard. I have a plum tree. I have a, a weird citrus combination tree. It has five different kinds of citrus fruit on it. My wife have a running conversation about how weird that is, and I think it's biblical. Because we're grafted in. The scripture says that Christians are grafted into the branch of Christ. And these five different fruits have been grafted in. Now, I know that they are grafted in because the different kinds of fruit are all growing on the tree. I know what kind of branches they are because of the different fruit that's growing. I know that the plum tree is a plum tree because we actually ate a couple plums last year off of the plum tree. There's an avocado tree that's in question. It hasn't borne any fruit yet. <laughs> There's an avocado tree. I know it's an avocado tree because we got an avocado off of it. But anyway, my point is this. You identify a, fruit, a tree by its fruit. Apple trees bear apples. Peaches, peach trees bear peaches. And you look at the fruit of a life, and you can tell whether or not the person is wise whether or not they're operating out of wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. It grows out of our relationship with him. And what happens is when you come to Christ, when you decide to commit your life to follow Christ, and you, you turn from going your own way to go his way, and you surrender to him, he plants his Holy Spirit in you. The Spirit of the living God begins to reside in your heart, and he begins to bear fruit in you. One of the key things that God grows in you is this goodness, this desire to do good, the desire to do right. In Titus 2.14, he says, in fact, that the reason Jesus Christ came and died and was raised again was to create a people for himself who were eager to do good. And the way he does that is he puts his spirit in us that keeps stirring the desire to do right inside of us and the fruit begins to grow we begin to see the fruit of goodness in our lives as we choose to cooperate with the holy spirit in us 
So a wise person lives a good life. Another characteristic or another character trait of a wise person is they walk exactly. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says this, so be careful how you live. The word careful there is akrobos in the Greek. It means to be exact, to walk carefully means like an acrobat. That's where we get our word acrobat. You don't want to make a mistake if you're walking on a tightrope high above the floor. You need to be exact. That's why we have the word acrobat for that. It's because it comes from this Greek word acrobos, to be exact. So be careful how you live. Be exacting in, how, in the way that you live. Don't live like fools, making up your own route. But, like, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. On the video, you see some thoughtlessness, don't you? As they're running around trying to figure out how to follow the clues, how to follow the map. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. Walking exactly is finding out what Scripture says, what God wants you to do, and then being careful to live that out, not careless. Reckless words pierce like a sword. Careless deeds waste time and money and energy. They're costly. But a wise person tries to live exactly. They get into the Word and they they try to do it. It's God's Word that will keep you on the track to wisdom. Pay close attention to how your life lines up with the Word. Finally, a, a wise person has gumption. This is another character trait of a wise person that you find in in Scripture. Gumption is not a word that we use very often today, but it's, it's a really good word. Gumption means that you take initiative in using good judgment to direct your actions. That's what it means to have gumption. One guy said uh, that a hunting dog, if a hunting dog who has gumption doesn't just bark up any tree, but he barks up the tree with the coon in it. <laughs> I guess this guy was into hunting coons, raccoons. So a, a, a hunting dog with gumption was, goes after it. But they're not just scurrying all over the place. They're able to, to, to take their, their energy and focus it very well. It's an interesting passage in Proverbs that we're going to look at. Proverbs 30, 24 through 28. There are four animals that show different characteristics in this passage that all add up to this gumption, this idea of gumption that, that the wise person chooses. It says in Proverbs 30, 24 through 28, it says, Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. In other words, it's foolish to be lazy in times of plenty. It's easy to get lazy. When things are going good. In times of plenty, it's easy to just sit back and, and relax. But it's foolish. You need to think, about, think ahead. Think about the future. Be storing up your provisions for the times that are lean. Conies, conies are little hamster-like creatures that live in the wild. They're creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the cracks. They, they take cover from danger. They... 
they hide in little crags and openings and they take cover in, in between the rocks is what this is saying. And so there's no shame in this, but conies have an accurate self-estimate. That's the wisdom in it. They understand that they're small. They don't have a lot of power. The predators are out there, and they're wise enough to take cover in the midst of danger. It says, locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. Aggressive cooperation with others. That's what the locust represents. A lizard, very ordinary animal. We have all kinds of lizards around our house. I don't know about you. Very ordinary creature. A lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. Interesting. They're ordinary, but they're diligent. They're scurrying around. They're diligent in what they do, and they end up in king's palaces. In other words, they have access to powerful people. It was interesting. I read the obituaries in the Times when I read the paper. I usually read the L.A. Times. I read the obituaries because there's a lot of instruction there. I read about what was important to people, how they lived their life. You get a flavor of whether or not they gave their life to, to things that really mattered. And I, was, I thought of this passage when I read an obituary a couple weeks ago. Reds Arrington was the White House plumber, the actual plumber. There was a group of men during the Nixon years that were called the White House plumbers. But he was actually the plumber, the guy who fixed the toilets and, and things. He was the White House plumber from Truman to Carter. For a lot of years, he had access to very powerful people. And he he told stories of of these different presidents. He he knew them. He, He was close to them. This is an illustration of a guy who's diligent in his work and who ends up having access, a very normal person. You won't read about many plumbers in the L.A. Times. Big article on Reds Arrington because he was diligent. He he worked hard. He's an ordinary plumber, but ended up having access to very, very powerful people, those considered to be the most powerful people in the world. This all adds up to gumption. And as you look at these things, goodness, a good life, walking exactly, choosing having gumption, having that in your character, you realize that our character determines how we use the map. A map keeps us on the right track, and it's important to have the right map. I've been traveling before, and I've you know, Googled something, and I get a map, and oh no, they, they didn't have the right details. So I'm lost. It's important to have the right map. And so as you choose to follow Christ... God's given us a map. He's given us the Scripture. And our character determines how we go about using that map. Are we, gonna, are we going to have gumption? <laughs> are we going to take initiative and try to walk exactly and understand what God is saying? Or are we just going to take, take a chance, live carelessly, do marriage the way that we think we should, and hoping that God will just cover us, do, do our business the way that seems right to us, or are we going to really try to think through what pleases God in this situation? What, what would please Him? What makes Him happy? What does He say about it? And what's the map 
that he's given me for living life a certain way. So our character determines how we use the map. Our strategy shows us where we are on the map. You know, when a friend draws you a map to their house, maybe you've never been there before, it's a new house, they draw you a map, sometimes they'll say, well, you go down to this street and there is a big oak tree and you turn left at the big oak tree and then you go down this street and there's another landmark. They, they don't just draw a map or write out directions, <clears throat> but they give you landmarks. They show you characteristics of the neighborhood that tell you where you are. That's, that's what we find in Scripture here that God has given us. He's shown us what it looks like in the realm of folly and in the realm of wisdom so that we can identify where we are on the map so we can figure out where we are at any given time. And so we're going to dig into these two things, the characteristics of a foolish strategy and of a wise strategy, with the goal of finding out where we are on the map and learning how to use this map wisely. James 3, 14 through 16, give us these characteristics of a foolish strategy. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. If you're taking notes on your listening guide, either underline or circle those two things, bitter envy and selfish ambition. Those are the motives of a foolish strategy. That's, that's where a foolish strategy is come, coming from. Bitter envy. You know, sometimes re- resentment builds because of the people around. They're getting an advantage over us. Maybe a friend gets a promotion, and you're wondering why you didn't get the promotion. It's very easy to envy and get bitter, and then your strategy starts to flow. The way you relate to them starts to flow out of that envy, out of that resentment. It begins to build, and it wrecks relationships. Uh, This happens in church life. People seem to be growing up in church life, being given status. It can be frustrating. On the freeway, it happens on the freeway. Have you ever wondered why it bothers you to get so much to get cut off on the freeway? It's because I've had this spot. <laughs> Somebody cut you off, bitter envy. They're getting advantage over you. They're getting ahead. Acting out of this is unwise, bitter envy, selfish ambition. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is. Now, here are the characteristics. Those are the motives. Here are the characteristics. So you may want to underline these, earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. Those are are the characteristics of the foolish strategy. Earthly, they're of this world. They're unspiritual. They have nothing to do with God's spirit. In other words, they originate from yourself, from a human point of view. Their origin is human. It's not from God. And they're they're, they're of the devil. In other words, this kind of strategy is used in the devil's realm. So when you're problem solving, when you're trying to figure out how to respond to the flow of life, something's come up, you're trying to figure out how to respond, you don't factor God in at all. That's a key characteristic of folly foolishness is not factoring God in 
in any way, shape, or form. In fact, strategies that are of the devil, sometimes they use gossip and slander to try to get ahead, to make progress, or just to feel better about yourself. So those are the characteristics of the foolish strategy. Excuse me. Okay, let's try it again. For where you have envy, okay. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. You can underline disorder and every evil practice if you're taking notes. These are the results of this strategy. When you see these results, you know you're you're using a <clears throat> foolish strategy. Disorder, there's confusion, instability, evil practice, wrongdoing that multiplies over and over again. <clears throat> when these things flow out of your responses and choices in life, you are off track. You're in a bad place. We see these characteristics and they tell us where we are. Now, let's look at the characteristics of a wise strategy. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that comes down from heaven is, first of all, pure. It's all good, not half good. It's pure. You cut through the strategy and the motives, and it's all good. There's no mixture of selfishness or evil at all in it. Perfectly good. It's peace-loving. It's fitting and appropriate. Uh, I'm sorry, it's it's careful not to create unnecessary conflict. It's peace-loving. It's considerate, which means it's fitting and appropriate. You pursue, pursue your goals and show consideration in the way that you do it. It's submissive, ready to obey, reasonable, easy to approach. It's full of mercy. It's not success at others' expense. You're not trying to get ahead or take advantage of someone by undercutting them or hurting them. It's full of good fruit, good results that multiply. As time goes on, more and more people are blessed by your strategy, by the way you live. And they're built up. It's impartial. There are no favorites. It's just, sincere. It's unpretended and straightforward. 
when you see these happening in your life, when you see these characteristics of the way you're living, then you know you're on the right track and you're in the right place. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 12, 33 through 35. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. In other words, you identify a tree by its fruit. You can tell what's going on with the roots of the tree by the fruit. A tree is recognized by its fruit. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. This is what Jesus is saying. Identify the fruit and you can deal with the root. If the root is wisdom, in the way, think back through the last week, the way you've, your family, the way that you've handled your work, your responsibilities, the way that you've gone about life. What has been the fruit of your strategy this last week? been pure, considerate? What have been the results that have been flowing? Is it full of mercy? Is it full of good things? Do these things seem to be multiplying? If you've been realizing this kind of fruit, thank God. If, if, if you're growing in wisdom, thank God for his help in making you wise. If the root is folly, You've seen some of the characteristics of folly. There's been chaos, disorder, strain, struggle, evil practices, frustration, trying trying to get ahead and stepping on people around you, people stepping on you. Confess your sin and your selfishness to God. Yield to do life His way. And set your heart to do righteousness and justice in the situations that you face. This is what it means to follow Christ. You realize, wow, I've been going my own way. I've been walking this way. And these these foolish characteristics are growing up in my life. The fruit of these things, I, I live this. This is the kind of fruit I'm tasting by the way that I'm living my life. And, and so this is what God wants to do. He shows us these things so that we recognize the fruit so that we turn from going our own way to go his way. Once and for all, we say, God, I don't want to live my life independent of you. I want to go your way. I want to live for you. That's what it means to commit your life to Christ. After you've committed your life to Christ, you read these maps like this. You read these characteristics and you realize, wow, I am, I've fallen back into the realm of folly. God, I confess to you, I repent, I turn around, and I'm going to yield again to you. So what it means to follow Christ is you say one big yes to God. God, I've been living life independent of you. I've been realizing the fruit of that. I want to turn from you and go your way. And as you go his way, you wander. And you, you end up, you know, realizing the characteristics of folly again. And, and you choose these things. And, and when you catch yourself, God, I confess to you, boy, I shouldn't have said that. I said that out of envy, out of resentment. That was wrong. Will you forgive me? Or actually, he does. As soon as you confess, he forgives you. You don't have to ask him. You can just confess. God, I yield my life to you. Confess 
and yield to him and get back on the path of wisdom. Get back on the right track. Set your heart to do righteousness and justice. Over and over again. You see, this fruit doesn't grow in our life out of self-effort. It grows because we keep recognizing where we're at on the map. And if we're in the wrong place, we admit that to God and we say, God, put us back on the right track. And it's out of his goodness and his love that this fruit begins to grow in our life. And over time, we change. And we actually want to do good. We want to live a good life. We want to please him more. So we try try to think about what's going on in our lives and what he says about it. And we try to be exacting. And then he gives us the energy to live with gumption and to live for him. And he begins to change us from the inside out as this fruit grows. You identify the fruit and you can get to the root and God will help you have the root that will grow the right kind of fruit. He will give it to you. He will put his spirit in you. If you don't yet know the Lord Jesus Christ, haven't yet committed your life to him, if you'll commit yourself to him, he will plant his Holy Spirit in you that gives you the desire to do good, to walk exactly, and as you cooperate with him with gumption, he bears this fruit that makes you a different person over the years, and you begin to reap the benefit of following the living God who made you and loves you in Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word. And I thank you for the way that you help us to know where we are. You've you've shown us these things in your word so that we can understand what's going on in our lives. We can understand what's going on and where we are on the map so that we can turn to you and let you put us in the right place, God. And you are so faithful to do that. I thank you for the way that you do it. And I ask for your help by the power of your Holy Spirit that we might know how to better please you and follow you as we live our lives. We ask for this help in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.